Hi, welcome to Restoring Immunity, an episode for Jimmo Pets. It's Lauren Hubele, and I'm here with my dear friend and colleague, Susie Killian. Susie, hello. And welcome. Good morning, Lauren. Great to be here. Good to see you again. Susie, I know we have an audience out there absolutely waiting for this next episode. We've had um, so much interest in our first recordings. So I'm very excited to crack into the next two extracts that we have on our list for the central nervous system. So these, Susie, if uh, I'm seeing this right, from how I would work with humans, both of these extracts we're gonna talk about today are helping harmonize the input of sensory information. And you would see that the same way with a dog or cat. Yes, absolutely. And it's just a matter of kind of extrapolating what we know for humans and, you know, figuring out how that can apply to the animals. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So Susie, um, not to keep everyone um, in suspense here, we're gonna talk about silver lime and we're going to talk about white willow, two very popular extracts when it comes to working with humans, particularly humans challenged by anxiety and yet these extracts both work in a, a slightly different way. So let's take off with silver lime. Okay. And silver lime is an extract that uh, Tilia tomatosa, that anyone that's ever done gemotherapy has some information about it. It harmonizes both the central and autonomic nervous system. And in humans, we see this as an extract that helps one connect, connect with themselves so they can begin to connect with their outer world. And um, we uh, use it quite often when there's a sense of anxiety or overwhelm. What's important, just as a side note, in case any humans out there are listening to think about this for themselves, it's not useful once that anxiety has gone down that slippery slope into depressive symptoms. That's not where silver lime works best. It works best on this um, anxious level. And um, there is also uh, in humans, and I have witnessed this myself in pets, a paradoxical effect that is difficult to predict whether it's going to happen, but it's very clearly portrayed by a increase in the exact symptoms that you're trying to um, resolve and it's quickly re uh, um, resolved by just stopping the extract. So Susie, I know you have a lot to say about silver lime and <laughs> cats and dogs, so I'm gonna let you take it from here. Okay, yes, silver lime, you know, before we had studied more extensively, Lauren, silver lime was always like, Oh, that's the go-to, right? We're just we're just gonna give silver lime and you know, but exactly. wow, has my mind, you know, been expanded with, with all the other choices we have now. So silver lime, where it might maybe was my go-to initially, isn't always my first go-to now. And so, you know, this 
this issue of um, connection and engagement that you spoke of is really important because I, when I'm working with pets, I really kind of pay attention to that, you know, is the animal ready to engage? Does the animal want to connect? Because that really would imply a lot of different extracts, you know, if, if they want to connect, then I think silver lime is, is absolutely brilliant. But, you know, I think many times it's necessary to address some of the underlying reasons why first, and, you know, the extracts that we spoke of in the previous episodes, maybe walnut for protection or dog rose, you know, could come into play uh -huh. and then bring in the silver lime when the animal is really mm -hmm. ready to connect, mm -hmm. you know? So like, what if you're seeing signs like, oh, the animal is hiding a lot, you know, the animal, I mean, for an animal to not want to connect is pretty unusual, right? Because it's not really their way, you know? Unless it's a rescue, right? We yeah, 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 right. Often in a rescue. Right, right, exactly. I mean, it's if they're feeling safe, of course they want to connect. So really, it's it all comes down to okay, if how safe are they feeling, and to what degree are they displaying it? So, you know, if the tail is down, if the eyes are are averted, if they're hiding. I probably wouldn't go to Lyme because that's telling me that an animal is really not quite ready to, to connect, you know, but, you know, once they are, I think Lyme is absolutely fantastic because it, like you said, it, it, it really affects anxieties, fears, you know, it regulates sleep. Um, and I have seen that paradoxical effect that you speak of. Yeah. And I see oh. it as an ag sort of an, an agitation oh. that comes up. Yeah. And um, exactly as you say, it, we just stop it. And you know, sometimes you just have to try things out. And so, <laughs> right? Sometimes, uh, you know, I have given Lyme and it, it's not, it's not, quite the right one at the moment and something else, another extract to kind of provide that sense of safety for the animal is just needed first and then going back in with the lime is just really really beautiful. Susie two things are coming up in all of this wisdom you're sharing one thing that is coming up for me is a visual of these extracts really on a continuum and um, on one side, we have that um, state of, you know, disengagement and, and a, a strong feeling of unsafety and fragility where we have dog rows and walnut as options. And then as that lessens and this animal becomes more um, willing to engage in life, we meet it with silver lime. And this gives me an opportunity to remind all of our listeners that the beautiful concept of working with gymotherapy is to choose extracts where you are in the moment and where your pet is in the moment, not where you want to be. <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> this is a very unfortunate misperception that we select remedies or extracts or whatever in the natural world for the person we want to be rather than the timid, fragile, you know, withdrawn person we might be in this moment. Exactly, exactly. And that it's can, can, can be a little challenging, especially for the pet parents who want the best for that, right? Mm. Oh, I want my dog to, you know, engage with us. And I, I want them to engage with other animals and, and you know, and so, it, it, you know, it, I could see how it would be very tempting to grab the, grab the lime because, yes, lime is, right. is so right. great for kind of creating that, in, uh, that connection. But, yeah, I mean, you, it, it, it's, it's, it's really important to kind of really look maybe sometimes a little deeper and just see, gee, maybe my animal might really need to feel safe like how what do they need to feel safe and before engaging you know and then and then bring in the silver line yeah because god so many so many wide-reaching you know applications for silver line once that animal is ready to engage sure. then it's you know then it just can be beautiful and even things like an oversensitivity of the senses, you know, animals that have some issues with, you know, they're totally in, engaging and they're see they're happy and everything, but they've got this nervous system thing that we can identify with maybe sounds, right? It's so common with the animals with exactly. right overreacting to loud noises and lights and just kind of overstimulation. And Lyme can be really beautiful in those situations. Exactly. And Susie, I mean, this was a go-to in my practice for my own clients with pets, um, sharing this idea of using it for periods where we have a lot of fireworks, right? Um, or, or that perhaps they're moving house, line might be very helpful in helping with that transitionary period. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fears, it's, it, I would say it's really a big one for fears, you know, and because having a fear doesn't mean that you're not able to connect or engage, right? So you can, okay. right, an animal can still be fully connected, fully engaged with their family and other animals, and that's not, not it, but they could still be having, you know, there are some anxieties and fears. And so Lyme is really a beautiful calming, calming um, nervous system extract for them. Well, great. I feel like we've given that um, a good go. Let's jump into White Willow. Uh, Yay! Yes. So this is a beautiful central nervous system harmonizer and also a harmonizer for the autonomic nervous system acting in a different way than silver lime when silver lime where we're seeing this connection white willow's essence is to gather and it, it in the from the human lens we're looking at it for folks that have too much on their plates that are very scattered that um, have difficulty focusing and and um 
but but here's one other um, item that I think Susie you'll say relates to pets is it's very good for folks who um, easily pick up on other people's energy and mm -hmm. and other people's um, nervous system state. So Susie, what why don't I let you take it from there with White Willow? I can't believe what you just said because I <laughs> it's so important. I was I was gonna bring that up about picking up on on other energies. Uh yeah, you're spot on, Lauren. Um, of course you are. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> Willow uh, is one of my faves. Um personally for me, it's it's been wonderful and I'm really starting to see a lot of really good results with the animals. So I find Willow to be very grounding, you know, in people and as well in the, as in the animals. And it's really good for, like you mentioned, this sense of overwhelm. And people might wonder, well, you know, how in an animal, I mean, I know, I know how people can feel overwhelmed and have too much going on, but, you know, for an animal, <laughs> I really think of situations like, you know, a lot of dogs have it as their responsibility. They take on jobs, right? They take on certain things that they really feel they need to do in the house. And for some, it's a lot of responsibility and they really take it on as such. So they might be taking care of the house guarding the house they might be taking care of the people in the house like all that sort of thing so that situation is one really good uh reason to use willow because if they're reacting to that in a way that's too much that it's that it's it's you know it's like a sense of overwhelm for them it's too it's just too it's too much too much going on so there could be too much going on in the house there could be, there could be, you know, we experience things. And when, when we're experiencing emotional states or we're uh, maybe there's, we're having an argument, you know, with a, a partner in the house or where the kids are getting crazy, you know, with their friends. I mean, all of that for the nervous system of, of some animals can be really kind of chaotic and too much stimulation. And so Willow, I think is beautiful in a, in a situation like that. What you know, do you think? Susie, I am so excited of the way you laid that out because these incidences are popping into my head. We have a great Pyrenees who is bred to protect, right? And she protects her herd. And so when there are changes in our herd, for instance, you know, an old a son moves out of the house and she's unsettled because I, one of the members of her herd isn't coming home and pacing, right? Or if Yohim were to work a long day and and not come home and to be able to settle. I also see this like the day the housekeeper comes and is consistently moving through the house and she can't find a place to be right? I yeah. just need a quiet place to be or, you know, house guests. So things that are disturbing their external world um, and disrupting their sense of order, 
right? Yes. To their days. Would you agree with that? Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. I mean, because it can even go to the point of panic in some of these situations with the animal where it's such a jolt to their normal, you know, everyday routine that um, that sort of high level of overwhelm can reach a state of panic. Yeah, and I think for sure everything you said um, would apply to Willow 100%. Um, There's another thing that, uh, um, circumstance that I was thinking about, and I really wanna run this by you, Lauren, because for people, there's this need to kind of please or appease, right? And that's a real nervous system reaction that many people can have. And I think cats can definitely do it as well, but for sure, it really applies to dogs, you know, which can really masquerade as as, as connection and engagement, but what they're really doing is they are as a nervous system reaction to them not feeling safe they go into just this high mode of i must please i must please and i'm sure many people may have dogs like that or they've seen dogs like that you know and i mean lauren can you imagine like how overwhelming that could be for an animal oh yes yes and and this this pressure they put, it's almost like a perfectionism, right? And mm-hmm. and it's this whole other role that they're taking on, even though internally they don't feel safe and stable. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I'm really looking at Willow a lot in those situations because I think that comes up more often than we think. and people will definitely recognize that sort of behavior and, you know, to the please and appease. And akin to that is almost even being overly submissive. It's that same sort of idea that is really more of like akin to a collapsed state in humans, but in animals, it's just that extreme submissiveness, you know? And I think, a lot of it with animals could be very uh, rooted in trauma. With yeah. rescue animals, you know, we we don't know, you know, what has happened to them, and you know, we know Willow, and you have, you know, something more to add to this about the relationship of trauma or what we know as PTSD and using Willow in those circumstances. So it can cross over to the animals for sure. Right. And I think the more we've learned um, in recent years about developmental trauma in, in humans can also apply to pets that um, when the brain is in those early stages of development, we develop patterns or, or the patterns that we're going to need in life are disrupted. So, for instance, if there's trauma in, in, an early, in a puppy, things that will um, would normally be auto- automatic and part of the autonomic response, like eating and breathing, and the, these become dis- disrupted and and digesting and eliminating. 
And so we'll see disruptions in those, um, what we would call very functional, normal um, processes, all due to this early trauma. And this is why this working with the nervous system is so powerful for our pets. And for everyone listening here, there really isn't a question, does my pet need this or not? Because if your pet is existing in the same world that Susie and I are existing in, <laughs> we can assure you that support for the nervous system is needed for all beings. And um, so beginning with that central nervous system and helping that intake of information so then that information can then be passed on to the autonomic responses with the organs and we'll be getting into that in future episodes because we have excellent extracts that work down the line but right now we're, we're talking at, about the headwaters right how to go right to this this the, the very beginning of where the problems can exist and start with the central nervous system exactly exactly yeah i mean and for a white willow i think you might if, if there's any suspicion even of some past neglect or some past abuse or trauma or even really a serious injury you know or or pain all that of course is affecting the nervous system and any of those situations would be a good indication for willow i think yeah so so susie um i just want to verify um this dosing of the central nervous system extract so in in humans i'm rec uh, recommending we take one drop first thing in the morning for the central nervous system is that the same recommendation for pets that is exactly the same recommendation for pets. That's exactly what I do, one drop. And I let it kind of have its own time before, you know, going into whatever else I have going in the protocol. Yeah. And letting it have its own time would be like two hours. Um sometimes that's might be the only extract I give in the morning and then I might do something midday but if it's something where I'm needing to dose a little more frequently um yeah I I may even an hour might be okay in my book but that's I think uh could vary you know I mean what yeah what that's a good question for you because I have done it with many different I've done 15 minutes I've done an hour sure. <laughs> Well, that really comes down to whether we're talking about something acute and we've just adopted a rescue or a dog's just had a trauma that we're trying to work with these this very acute state and we're looking at very um, short time span between dosing. But if we're just building a daily protocol, then we get more space, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Let's talk a little bit in case anyone's just joining us for the first time. Ways to give your pet these extracts. Yes. <laughs> ways <laughs> to give. <laughs> um, I I think if you really know your animal and um, you know that you can get things in their mouth, I do give it in the mouth. Sure. Because I still 
I don't know if it's a bias or not, <laughs> but I still feel like giving it directly in the mouth is, is you know, really, really good absorption. However, um, I have given it in food or, or a liquid of some form and that works. And I've also given it um, in the inner flap of the ear where there's not fur and that, and just kind of rubbing it in there. The only issue though, for me, and I mean, I will tell people is that those, that kind of dosage works great if you're just giving a nervous system microdose because we're just talking about one drop. But many times, right, for, for animal, I mean, in dogs in particular, you know, and we're working with, uh, well, we're just talking about the nervous system now, aren't we? <laughs> So I guess I don't need to go into anything else. So yeah, nervous system is just one drop. So I think that's fine. When I'm giving multiple drops for other extracts, that's you can't really drop all that into the inner flap of the ear and that's not really gonna work. Um, so if we're just speaking about nervous system right now, and I'm sure we'll talk about the other dosings when we talk about other extracts, but I think one drop in the ear flap is fine one drop directly in the mouth is fine. Um, one drop putting it on your fingertip and letting the dog lick it also works very well because many dogs um, really lap up these extracts. Yeah. I have clients putting them in, you know, in a spoon perhaps and the dog will lick it off the spoon, dropping it on the paw and the dog will lick it off the paw. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned something interesting, I think, last time that you drop it on your cat's nose, I think you, you told me, right? <laughs> um, so when you're dealing with calicos, particularly who are very feisty about taking medication, um, yes, rubbing it on Ruby's nose so she licks it off is one way. But, you know, I came up with a, a really cool way the other day because she was just not having it. She wasn't having it. <laughs> and she had gotten into something and was, you know, vomiting and there was loose stools and it, there were, you know, I had to get something in her. So I used the little pill pockets that you can buy for pets. Now, Susie, uh, maybe those have terrible ingredients in them that you wouldn't, would not be Susie approved, but I, <laughs> you know, there's a little space in there to pop, you know, a tablet in or something. And I just put the drops of Jimmo's. She gobbled it up and all was Wow. Fine. Well, that's great. That's, I mean, if you can do that, fabulous. Right. I don't know. I am, some people do have trouble putting things in a cat's mouth. That's for sure. Yeah. If, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenging um, uh, proposition. There. Yeah. I think we'd have to do a YouTube video for that. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, yes, I have all different ways where I have my cat between my legs and I'm coming behind, but yeah. um, I do use eyedroppers too with the, with the cats. And that seems to work pretty well because if you just get it right in the side of their mouth and you just squeeze it in, it's just a nanosecond and that, that can also be a way to do it. You know, Susie, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but for Lucy who takes them super easily, this is my great Pyrenees, 
and I have no problem putting the drop in, but to keep it measured well, and also when we're away and to help with um, pet sitters that aren't so comfortable with this, I put spray um, caps on all of her extracts. And at 13 years old, she takes a number of extracts each day. And um, I can just open her little lips or big lips, I should say, and spray one spray in. And I've got a great dose for her. I think that's brilliant and excellent for dogs. Maybe Not so a little challenging <laughs> for the cats. <laughs> they see a, a spray coming at them. Oh, and God. I'm on to you and you'll never be able to do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cats are just way more savvy. <laughs> but um, I think that's a great idea um, for dogs. And if cats can handle it, why not? You know? Sure. Sure. But, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, great, Susie. Thank you so much for bouncing ideas with me and sharing your wonderful experience with extracts and pets. And I welcome all of our listeners here to take a look at the show notes. You'll be able to contact Susie directly from that uh, contact information there. To learn more about gemotherapy, I want to send you over to laurenhubelay.com and Coming up very soon, we have a new store that we'll be um, announcing soon, and there will be a kit specifically for pets. So I look forward to being able to offer that to you in the future. Susie, once again, thank you, and thank you to all of our listeners. Oh, thank you, Lauren. This is so great doing this. I'm really having a good time. (laughs) Thank you.